heartbreaking news out of San Francisco as U.S. Marines make their way through the city trying to capture an elusive target. And then we take a look at the story of a babysitter who has a close encounter of the delicious kind. And then we visit Ohio University, considered one of the most haunted colleges in America. Are these hauntings caused by a past of suicides and murders, or is it something even more bizarre? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had fun with yesterday's episode, you goonies. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I hope it gave you guys some great ideas about what to do this weekend. But before you guys destroy your entire life, let's go ahead and welcome our newest Patreon supporter. He is a vehicle himself. There's a bunch of little kids hanging out of his window. He's like, I don't have kids. It's Thomas the Dank Engine. Everyone give a round of applause to Thomas the Dank Engine as all these little kids are like, help us, help us. We're trapped in this interdimensional train. Thomas, we laugh, we laugh at the children's plight. Thomas, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you haven't kidnapped children from across the dimensions, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Thomas, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to the city of San Francisco. Came across this story the other day. I'm sure you guys saw it in the mainstream news. (laughs) Who am I kidding? The mainstream news. More like the mainstream losers. That's what they should be called, right? I got this from the real news. The news that doesn't need to be prepared. The news that has no sanitary conditions whatsoever. Real, raw news. It's May 3rd, 2021. Go, 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 go! A bunch of Marines are running through the streets of San Francisco. There's a bunch of mugging taking place. We don't have time to stop that. We don't have time to actually maintain law and order in the lawless city of San Francisco. No, we have one target in mind. Go, go, go. They're doing the hand signals. Gangbangers are shooting them. They think they're from a rival gang. Ah. The Marines are making their way through the city of San Francisco. Target, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She, if you're part of the 95% of the world population who cares nothing about U.S. politics, she is... Currently the House Speaker, that's why that's her name. She's the Speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States Congress. And she's wanted for unspecified crimes. Apparently she's committed several crimes. The article did not make it clear. It went into great detail about who was in charge of this operation, but it did not really make clear to me what Nancy Pelosi is being charged with. But anyways, the U.S. Marines that are still under the control of President Trump Trump still president, Joe Biden not president. He's at like a sound stage. It's like a fake White House that's in the same location of the White House. The, the sound stage is actually in the White House. So when you see his cars driving around, he's just going to the sound stage. He's not actually going to the Oval Office. This this is the slightly lopsided office where he's at. And um, the U.S. Marines are looking for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Go, 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 go. She's like 78, by the way. I don't know why they need to send in a full platoon. It's not like she's going to go straight up Tony Montana and start like shooting him up with a bunch of cocaine. Or will she? We'll find out. The U.S. Marines are moving through the city. Go, 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 go. And they see her. They actually planned this operation. They waited till her husband was at work. Because if there's one, if, if, if you think there's going to be complications, taking down one 70-year-old person, you don't want to face two of them. So they wait till her husband's at work. 
They see House Speaker Nancy Pelosi leaving her house. The Marines throw a bag over her head, zip tie her, throw her into a van. Go, go, go! That's all, that's all the Marines have said this entire operation. They can't say any word other than go, go, go. They have to say it three times in a row. As this van is speeding away, duly elected House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is in the back of this van that's speeding out of the city of San Francisco. They take the bag off of her and they realize something. Go, 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 one of the Marines says, and the other one goes, go, go, go. It turns out that they did not nab Nancy Pelosi. They nabbed a decoy. This was a, another woman, a much younger woman, who was wearing a realistic, <laughs> realistic Nancy Pelosi mask and also had like her passport, her ID, everything on her. That detail didn't make sense, but that detail specifically didn't make sense. If she has a lifelike Nancy Pelosi mask on, what does she need her passport and her driver's license for, right? And if she has Nancy Pelosi's passport and driver's license, what does the real Nancy Pelosi have? Does she have the doppelganger? Does she have the person with, like, photos of the person without the mask on? Why would you give... It doesn't make sense. You wouldn't want your decoy to flee the country. You would want to make sure they didn't have a passport. Anyways, turns out that Nancy Pelosi, who regularly works in Washington, D.C. all the time and is well-known in San Francisco where she was elected, they can't find her. They can't find her even though she's on television all the time. Very, very well-known schedule where this woman's at. They can't find her. And this is, I wanted to read you this quote from this article because I just love this stuff. I just love this stuff. Quote, U.S. military assets have fudged a covert mission to apprehend House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, arresting instead a Pelosi doppelganger, donning a lifelike mask that mimicked every hideous detail of Pelosi's face right down to the most deeply ingrained wrinkles, unquote. I don't think the Marines put that in their after-action report. They're like, <laughs> like, dear, dear General, we thought we got Nancy Pelosi because no one would look this... She doesn't look that ugly. Nancy Pelosi is an elderly woman. She's not so hideous that if I was describing, if I held up a mask of Nancy Pelosi, I wouldn't say every hideous detail. She's an elderly woman. It's not just that Nancy Pelosi has a doppelganger with a mask, but it's a disgusting mask. The author wants to let us know that this mask was super hideous. But anyways, who am I? I'm not a real journalist. The people at Real Raw News know how to undercook the facts and give them to us raw. So who am I to judge? This isn't a beauty podcast. This isn't a special effects podcast. And this definitely is not a real raw news podcast. So Semper Fi, gentlemen, your mission in San Francisco was halfway complete. You captured Nancy Pelosi's face. Thomas the Dank Engine, let's go ahead and leave behind San Francisco. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are headed out to Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> Seeing a train drive a car is not something I thought we would ever see, but here we are. Thomas the Dank Engine is somehow making it work. It's a long drive. We're smelling his exhaust the whole time. We're like, ugh, he's a coal-burning engine. We're all passing out. Eventually, though, we're taken to Fort Wayne, Indiana Hospital. We are revived from carbon monoxide poisoning, and it is time to start this story. It's March 1993, 
And there's a young woman, let's call her, let's call her Nancy. Let's call her Nancy. There's a young woman named Nancy. She is babysitting a baby, a little baby person. Parents are gone. Nancy is taking care of this kid. Rainstorm starts. But she's an experienced babysitter. The rain doesn't super scare her, right? It's just something that happens from time to time. But then the power goes out. Rainstorm, power outage, you're alone with the baby. Now things are getting a little nervous and the baby starts screaming. And she's trying to figure out what to do. Like, this is a strange house. Where are the candles? Where's the flashlight? Got the scream. Don't want to trip on the baby. Where's the baby? While she's trying to figure that out, a bright light shines from outside the house. The entire house is illuminated now. But it's not a comforting light. It's a mysterious, spooky light. It shouldn't be there. And then... There's a knock at the door. Nancy slowly turns her head. I don't know. She might have turned it super fast. That wasn't in the notes. It didn't say how fast she turned her head. Nancy ever so slowly looks towards the door. She sees the doorknob turn. Then the door opens. And she sees in the darkness a four-foot-tall man. He's purple. Her eyes must have really adjusted at this point to determine that. He's purple with a curved nose, large ears. And he stands there looking at her for a second. Nancy is frozen. Little man staring. Nancy's staring. And the little man runs into the house. Past Nancy, past the baby, into the kitchen. She sees the refrigerator door open up. (laughs) That one's also a haunted refrigerator door. (laughs) The alien reaches into the fridge, pulls out a can of soda, opens it up, walks out of the house drinking it. So, this... (laughs) So, and the lights in the house came back on. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com, one of my favorite UFO resources. They got it from Strange Magazine number 13. Strange Magazine has served us very well in the past as well. So thinkaboutitdocs.com has a really good track record as far as legit stories. And Strange Magazine 13, the one time we covered it, we covered it twice. One was, I think, a monster in a basement, and the other one was the puffballs that rot people's skin. I'll try to find those two stories for the show notes, I'll try to put those episodes in the show notes. But this is an interesting story for me. Because it makes... This is a Pepsi commercial, right? Like, when... when I'm pretty sure there is a... And I'll actually try to see if I can find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure there's a soda commercial with this same setup. Or a Snickers commercial, Butterfingers, or something like that. I know the Reese's Pieces had the alien. But this seems set up... This story seems fake. This story seems fake, and that's why I want to cover it. At what point do we dismiss stuff out of hand? I'm not going to go on a huge tangent with this. But at what point when you hear a UFO story, an alien story, do you go, that's not true? 
and this is an interesting one for me because on one on a if you never if he had not walked in to get the soda it would just be a babysitter meets an alien story it would actually have been so mundane i wouldn't have covered it because we see stuff like this happen all the time the fact that it goes in and gets a soda. It doesn't say the brand of soda, so it's not the best advertisement. In the advertisement, the alien's hand is covering the soda the whole way. You're like, is that Coke? Is that Pepsi? I don't know what to buy. At what point do we dismiss alien stories? Or really any of these stories. Imagine a story where a ghost walks into a house and <laughs> turns to the camera and goes, choice of a new generation. You're like, what? Why, why does that ghost story have an advertisement in it? At what point do we decide to dismiss these things? I'm not saying the story is fake. I'm saying I, I highly doubt that it's real because it reminds me of a commercial. And is that fair for me to say? Because her story, I mean, I would think that this young woman saw a commercial like this and then she dreamt about it or was imagining it. But I am dismissing the story because it reminds me of a commercial. I feel like... The story's not true because it seems so ridiculous. But we've covered a lot of ridiculous stuff on this. So, I mean, this story is kind of meta for me. The Casablanca invasion is one of the most ridiculous alien stories we've ever covered. I'll put that in the show notes. But it didn't remind, it didn't remind me of a commercial. So I just want to, I want to include this story, one, because I think it's an interesting, but two, on that meta level, at what point do we decide this is too ridiculous for us to believe? Because in essence, all alien things, all ghost stories, all Bigfoot stories are too ridiculous for 70 to 90% of the population to believe. So I just think it's interesting when we come across stories. Otherwise, this is fairly legit. It's from two sources that I've gotten good stuff from before. I distrust this. I can't even say I distrust it. Like, again, I'm in that weird mode but i wanted to cover this because of that meta moment and for you guys to examine that as well at what point do you go i don't believe that because it's too it's too wacky it's interesting because we do come across that even though at its core everything is wacky and it's possible that the story is so wacky that it is true it's super bizarre and i think it would behoove aliens to do more wacky and weird stuff they really want to stay off people's radar the weirder they get, like making people pancakes or having talking bears show up, which are both stories we've covered on this show, the less likely people are to believe them. So it actually makes sense if aliens did things that mimicked pop culture. Like that X-Files episode where the men in black were Jesse Ventura and Alex Trebek. Because they knew no one would believe that they were visited by Jesse Ventura and Alex Trebek. The aliens actually plan to be that ridiculous. Thomas the Dank Engine, let's raid this babysitter's fridge and take all the sodas. We're going to leave her. We're going to say goodbye to the baby. Hopefully they'll be okay. Hopefully no more aliens show up, but it's really, it really doesn't matter to us. We have another story to cover. I'm going to toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this little house in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're headed out to Athens, Ohio. We've actually been to Ohio University before. I covered it a long time ago. On episode 200, what was it? Episode 276. Because at Ohio University, part of the college campus used to be an insane asylum. As the campus was, they built the campus. And then 70 years later, they thought it would be a great idea to build an insane asylum right next to it. And not a good idea. Not a good idea, right? It's going to definitely interfere with your grades. If you're afraid some lunatic's going to break in at any moment. 
Eventually, the asylum was shut down, and the campus absorbed it. So the campus got bigger, and now the asylum is some classrooms and some teachers' offices. But we covered the ridges in Ohio University back on episode 276. But I started looking at some other ghostly activity that brought me back to Ohio University that I wanted to take a look at with you guys. So we're now college students. We're walking around campus. We got on our college clothes. <laughs> Those are different than regular clothes. They're smarter. We're walking around Ohio University, which is the alma mater of not only Richard Dean Anderson, a.k.a. MacGyver, but Ed O'Neill. Everyone's favorite television dad. No matter what generation you're in, you have good memories of Ed O'Neill. Richard Dean Anderson and Ed O'Neill, we wave hi to them. They're like, dude, we don't go here anymore. We graduated decades ago. We're like, see you in class. They're like, what are you guys even talking about? We're going to take a little tour of this supposedly haunted college. So you have East Green. So it's divided up into sections. So first off, let's start off on the section known as East Green. There's a place called Wilson Hall. That's where we're going to be dorming with our buddies. Ed O'Neill and Richard Dean Anderson. They're like, dude, we don't go here anymore. We're like, let's be bunk mates. They're like, oh man, they're stuck in this story now. We go to get our dorm room. It's room 428, but it's boarded up. We're like, what? How are we supposed to get in here? And the hall monitor, whatever they're called, the the chauffeur. What are those guys called? The hall monitor, um... The floor dude, the floor dude walks up and we're like, hey, floor dude. He's like, dude, I'm called the den mother. <laughs> what are they called? The people who run the dormitories, the mayor. He goes, hey, guys, I know you guys are supposed to be in room 428, but that one's actually been sealed off. We don't let anyone in that room anymore. And we go, what's what happened there? He goes, let me tell you a story. Also, sorry for sorry for booking you in a room that doesn't exist anymore. But let me tell you a story. This room used to just be a normal dorm room. And back in the 1970s, there was a student, let's just call him Barry. We don't have his name, but he was in there. Fun-loving guy, probably. There's no description of him whatsoever. It just says a man in the 1970s. So it could have been, it could have been anyone. It could have been Henry Kissinger. It could have been Ed O'Neill. We don't know. Probably wasn't either of them. They didn't die mysteriously in room 428. But a, a young man died in room 428. That was in the 1970s. Everyone in Wilson Hall had heard this story. And some people, oh, did he commit suicide? Well, maybe. Was he murdered? No, they don't think he was murdered. He just died mysteriously. And this story went around. But people went in and out of this room through the semesters, through the years. Other people used this room. Didn't really have a problem with it. But a couple of years later, there was a girl who had heard about these stories. And heard about this guy who died mysteriously. And she was really into... Black magic, astral projection, talking to spirits, stuff like that. She's in that room and she goes, you know, this is perfect because since this guy died mysteriously here, this would be a vortex for me to make my powers greater. People are like, what are you talking about, you weirdo? So she begins to talk about astral projection. She's trying to harness the power of this room. And then she dies supposedly some say that she killed herself by slitting her own wrists. Other people say, well, her wrists were slit, but she didn't do it. She was murdered, not by an assailant. Well, technically an assailant, but not by a human assailant. But the dark forces came after her. She was brutally murdered because she was pushing the limits of what a human should know, what a human should be capable of when it comes to the world of the paranormal. So now the room had an even darker reputation. You had two people who died there. One, mysterious circumstances. The other one, 
may or may not have committed suicide, but definitely was involved in some dark arts, black magic, things like that. Time marches forward. This is a dorm room. Students are filtering in and out of the college. People are still using the room, but what they're starting to run into is that when students would come in, they'd put down their keys or their coffee cup or whatever. You had reports of things being thrown off of shelves, smashing against walls, smashing into the floor. Doors would open and close by themselves. Sometimes you'd be in the room all by yourself. You'd hear a whisper behind you. Sometimes you'd be in the room by yourself and you'd hear a loud shout, which I'm not going to emulate that. Just imagine this voice, but way louder right in your ear. And then on the door, people said that they could see the outline of demonic faces in the wood grain. That is the one I call the most BS on anything, because that could easily be, what is it, periabola? where you're just looking at patterns and you're seeing it wrong and stuff like that. But everything else could definitely be possible when we talk about the world of the paranormal, even the faces appearing on the door. But I couldn't find any photographs of that. The 1970s, people had cameras. If this is something that was happening all the time, it'd be easy to document. I'm not saying there's not photographs out there. I couldn't find any. Eventually, the university got so many reports of paranormal activity in the room, they just sealed the room off. We've covered that before. We've talked about another university. This episode is going to be full of past episodes in the show notes we talked about another university before i don't remember where i think it was actually now that i remember it it was in athens but it was a different university where they also had walled up a room there's a staircase that leads to nothing it's walled in there's a lot of legends behind that and so we have this same thing you have this room this dorm room that is not accessible i was actually watching a video by the post i believe it's called it is a Ohio University newspaper. It's their journalism program. And they were investigating it. I mean, they were kind of goofing on it as well, but they showed the door. The door does exist. You can't enter it. So it actually is a, a real place that can't be entered. It's not an urban legend. It's not like room 428 doesn't exist at all. Even to this day on campus, they hear these stories about this room. This building is also apparently in the middle of a pentagram of Native American cemetery, so some people think that's why Wilson Hall is haunted. But looking into Ohio University, that's not all. Jefferson Hall, which is another building on campus, has what's called the marble sound. This would be weird to pin down. They say sometimes when you're walking around Jefferson Hall, you're on the top story. It sounds like someone's dropping thousands of marbles on the roof. There's nobody up there. If you go to Washington Hall... There is an entire, this is huge, actually. There's an entire ghost, <laughs> there's an entire ghost basketball team. A high school girls basketball team, all of them. It's an entire girls basketball team, haunts Washington Hall. The story goes, there was a girls high school basketball team. They visited campus. They're like, oh, this place is great. I can't wait to go to college here. I'll probably be here forever and ever and ever. <laughs> I'll say that at the same time, even the coaches all ever and ever. And the tour guide's like, oh, that's creepy. And then they died in a car accident on the way home. And now instead of their ghost going back to their loved ones, instead of their ghost inhabiting the places they grew up in, no, they're just all at Washington Hall a place they visited once, which means I'm never going to go to a sucky place. I'm never going to go visit a sewage treatment plant. Well, this place is kind of cool. And then my ghost, then I died like 80 years later. My ghost is floating around a sewage treatment plant. I'm like, oh, shucks. So that's the backstory. But this, okay, so if you heard that backstory, you're like, oh, that's kind of sad. But, you know, they're in Washington. Washington Hall, first off, there's no basketball court there. It's apparently like a dormitory. 
So it's not like they're like, oh, we can always play b-ball. And who would they play against? They're playing against a bunch of demons. They're trapped in Washington Hall. These girls are trapped in this dormitory. That whole backstory is created because sometimes when you're in Washington Hall, you hear the sound of basketball dribbling. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. Sometimes you can hear a basketball dribble in Washington Hall. I'll give them that. It probably is a phantom basketball dribbling. I think the high school basketball team is made up because I actually heard several versions of this story. One is you just hear the basketballs. The second one is it was a men's basketball team, an adult men's basketball team that was trapped there. And then the story that I found was the most fascinating and sad was the all high school girls visiting one single time and being trapped there. So I think what happens is there, and this is very common in ghost stories, there is a singular ghost event that may happen once or twice. It may happen on a regular occurrence. And the backstory is made up. And I actually think that leads us into the answer of 428. Most likely, the room is sealed off for one reason or another. Apparently, the official answer is it's not safe. That could mean anything from asbestos, black mold, the foundations giving out. There's a bunch of nails. The place is infested with cockroaches. It could be all sorts of things. Now, most of those would affect the rest of the school. It's not like they just nail a door shut and they're like, cockroaches, you'll be in there forever. Could also be that it wasn't safe because you got a couple students complaining about doors opening and closing. There could have been a paranormal thing there. But I think the stories made up from the 70s about the younger... Those are probably made up. They're probably backtracked. They probably have a story. Why is why can no one go in this room? Someone goes, oh, it's just not safe. And then people over the years have made up these myths. And that's the most logical answer. But I don't want to end with the most logical answer. Let's put on our conspiracy caps here because I found something really cool about this university that opens it up to a whole other set of theories. This school has one of the most powerful particle accelerators on the planet that's capable of sending a particle up to 14% of the speed of light. It's one of the most powerful on the planet. It was opened in 1967, which predates the ghost story of Wilson Hall, the man who died mysteriously. So with our conspiracy caps on, it would be interesting to think that this uh, particle accelerator, which is used for all of these experiments, what if it actually has opened a rift of some sort? And so we do have more ghost act. Because this, by a lot of accounts, this is, I've just covered the ghost in this particular, like Wilson Hall, uh, Washington Hall. There's a ton of ghost stories in this college. It's considered one of the most haunted colleges in the United States. It's one of the oldest colleges in the United States. But what if this, you have this normal ghost activity, people walking up and down stairs, doors being shut, but this particle accelerator has actually opened up some sort of gateway that allows this phenomenon to be more apparent. To be so apparent, it can actually be violent and actually kill people. So that's an interesting way to look at it. You have science and the paranormal blending together. The side effect of this particle accelerator is causing that. But then I thought of something even crazier. And man, I am not I am not implying I'm not implying in any sort of legal sense that Ohio University or the people who maintain the particle accelerator or this is conspiracy cap fully on. Do not sue me. What if the experiments of the particle accelerator is what killed those two kids? Somehow, 
a little particle. A little particle was flying around so fast and it went crazy. Grabbed a little particle knife, a little did a little particle Ted Bundy. What if, by some sort of fluke, that particle accelerator killed the kid in 428? You're like, Jason, <laughs> that's not how particle accelerators work. Conspiracy cap fully on. What if the particle accelerator killed the kid in 428 in the 70s? So after it was operated, some guys were like, let's do this. <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's type in particle plus 14% speed of light plus Charles Manson. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Don't type that in. The thing starts up. What I'm saying is, what if that's why the room is not safe? It's like right in the path. <laughs> right in the path. Like, people are disintegrating at 14% of the speed of light. That young woman in there, she really is trying to do black magic, but it's not working. She's trying to astrally project. It's not working. And then one day she's sitting there, she's walking around the house, and she feels something, but doesn't feel it. And she looks down, and... <laughs> A particle. A particle hit her wrists. A particle, like... She was, she was holding a baguette. She was holding a big piece of bread. She was walking with a piece of bread and she, she had her hands out and the beam, the little particle went and cut across both of her wrists and it cut it so deep that she dropped the baguette and she died. And so it didn't look like they're like, no one would ever kill themselves if they were about to eat a giant baguette. What happened? What if the particle accelerator is the reason why this room is unsafe? It's probably more it's probably more likely my original theory that the particle accelerator may have something to do with ghostly activity in the area. But since we since we were already going down that path, I thought what if the particle accelerator is actually killing people there? So does this particle accelerator open up gateways to other worlds? Has a few particle <laughs> Have a few particles gone rogue and murdered students? Who knows? We don't know, right? It could be neither of those. It could just be a particle accelerator, a bunch of kids telling ghost stories, making stuff up. But the answer to these stories lie locked away behind the door to 428. Maybe the school's right. Maybe it's not safe to go in there, but you try your luck anyways. You want to prove the existence of ghosts. You want to disprove the new conspiracy theory about murderous particles. So you are able to sneak in. You're in there for a bit waiting for something to happen, asking the spirits to show themselves. It's been 20, 30 minutes. You know you should leave because eventually the school authorities are going to find out you're in there. And as you go to reach for the doorknob, you realize it's wet. It's sticky and it's warm. That's when you look down and you see your own blood dribbling off of your fingertips onto the stained carpet. You thought you were going to prove the existence of ghosts, and you were right. You became part of the story. For decades, students will tell the tale of a ghost investigator who forced their way into room 428. And by the time anyone realized they were in there, they had been dead for days. Their ghost now wanders the campus, 
hoping no one else makes the same mistake of walking into room 428. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.